Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. All right, guys. Uh, Randy, welcome back to the to the Gen Z Show. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm so glad to be back with you guys. It was fun. We were together a few months back, and and uh, I'm excited to have an opportunity for round two here. So thanks for yeah. for having me back. And for those members of our audience who don't remember, we did these live community calls back in the spring, and Randy was one of our first guests. And if you go to looking at our website and you're like, well, I can't find it, that's because we were not recording them then. We just thought it was a small thing. And, and it was after his call that it built so much that people were saying, we want to see this again that we started recording them. So that's why we wanted to bring you back because we didn't have any archives of what was going on. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad to be back. It'll be fun to hang out today with you guys. Well, there's probably a whole new audience of people who don't uh, know you, who, who may not be familiar with you. Uh, how about introducing yourself to them and, and tell them whatever it is that you feel like they need to know about Randy? Well, I think, uh, I guess the, the first thing I would say is I just am a pretty normal guy. <laughs> just I, well, A lot of people probably would, would question that, but uh, just <laughs> – Average guy who uh, actually is really passionate about leaders, and so that's why I'm excited to be with you guys today. I believe when leaders get better, everything gets better, and when people are not well-led, they really suffer and struggle. And so uh, I get to spend all my time uh, encouraging leaders and, and working with leaders. I grew up in a small town in North Georgia. Uh, my mom and dad, brother and sister, pretty simple, and then uh, ended up out in Texas for a little while, and we came back to the South. I spent uh, about a decade coaching and teaching uh, in high schools and getting to work with young people, so I love young people, the next generation. I'm really passionate about that, and then I spent about 18 years uh, working in the nonprofit world until 2014, and in 2014, I went out on my own and and have been uh, coaching and training and serving leaders for the last several years, organizations around the world, uh, high-performance companies, uh, professional sports teams, great nonprofits. And we, we get to work with a lot of really cool people. And one of the, the, the groups that I've enjoyed getting to know, especially you, James, and, and what you're doing at Gen Z, I, I really admire that. So, yeah, I'm just glad to be here. Uh, probably the most important thing about me is uh, my wife of 33 years, and we have four daughters that are grown. We've—I was telling the girls there before the call started that we have had two weddings this year, and uh, one coming up in a couple weeks. We had one a few weeks ago, uh, and uh, we actually have have a uh, our first grandchild was born about three weeks ago. So we we've we've packed a lot of crazy stuff into these last few weeks. So. Uh, Life is good, man. It's, it's been a fun time. A lot happening in a COVID year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Two weddings in a COVID year. That's got to be uh, stressful. Yeah. Weddings are stressful enough as it is. You add that layer on it, that's got to that's gotta heighten it. So. It's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, we've had a good time. Now, Randy, I know that you and I have worked together uh, doing some – creating some curriculum uh, for what – is identified by Chick-fil-A as their frontline leaders. That's the first level of leadership. And typically, those are young leaders. True? 
That's right. Yeah, I would say and, uh, it, it's for sure at that company, they have a lot of young people that are in leadership roles. They, they see the potential in, in every leader, but especially in the young leaders. And so, yeah, for sure. And one of the things that I remarked when I was working with you guys there uh, in that think tank that we did over a year ago was how remarkably similar the characteristics and the areas that, that these young leaders needed help with aligned to what all young leaders need help, uh, need help with, whether they're late teens or mid-20s, they all seem to have that. So one of the things that I wanted to, to kind of get your feedback on is what, do you, what are some of those areas that you guys identified and, and what are y'all doing to train them? Yeah, it was pretty fascinating. Uh, as you know, one of the reasons we asked you to come and join us was because you guys have a lot of influence and a lot of conversations with young people as well. And, and those next generation leaders you're, you're passionate about. And we had several other organizations, businesses, for-profit, not-for-profit. And if you remember, James, we had about 10 of y'all in the room and we just, I mean, we filled up walls of, of things that young leaders are, I guess, if we even look back, being an old leader now of some of the things we wish we had known when we were younger. And it was fascinating. We came up with seven or eight things and we're, we're building an app right now. And uh, I think it's going to be pretty cool to, to uh, be able to offer that to, to new leaders for them to develop their skills. We won't all be young. Uh, we, you know, if some people are put into a first time leadership role later in life, but I think the common denominator is that we all need some of those same skills. And so to, to answer your question specifically, some of the things we discovered was uh, everybody needs to know how to care for their team. Uh, we, you know, and, and if you think about any of these things I'll talk about, how to solve problems under pressure, how to delegate effectively, some of those kind of things. If I go back and rewind my clock, James, and you're probably the same way, did anybody ever teach you how to delegate? Did anybody ever teach you how to care for your people? Did anybody, and, and these things seem, things seem so intuitive but it's almost like we expect them to be intuitive we don't really train people how to do that so we identified seven or eight of these skills and we created this content around those and we, we feel like it'll be bite-sized micro content that'll you know I, I say millennial friendly it, it'll be real easy for them to wrestle with but to have conversations with their supervisors and we're just trying to to, to help uh, the next generation of leaders know how to do some of those basic skills that are going to really be a foundation for them to, to grow into um, bigger leadership areas later on. What are some of those, you, you talk about delegating and give feedback. What are some of the other areas? Uh, one of them, we, especially if you think about a Chick-fil-A restaurant, but we, we talked about solving problems under pressure and you can imagine the high speed, uh, Sarah Beth, I think you even worked at a Chick-fil-A and you know how things get and they're, the drive-thru is going crazy and, and a lot, lots going on and things pop up. And so if you're a young leader and you've got not just responsibility for yourself, but for others, now you're trying to solve these problems and things can get pretty, pretty fast paced. And so we've, we've got that. As I mentioned, one of the things I'm really excited about is just teaching people how to delegate, mm. uh, te teaching people how to care for the people that they have on their team. You've moved from being a peer to all of a sudden you've got a couple of people that you're now responsible in your first leadership position for caring for. So those are some of the main uh, skills that we have, but, but how to have a growth mindset, how to, how to keep working on yourself. There's, there's several of those things that popped up that uh, we just really let the research and the, and the conversations we had, we actually had a chance to meet with over 600 young leaders and survey them. And so these skills that popped up, 
uh, are are not just what we thought, but it's really what a lot of young people said. Teach us how to do this. We really need somebody to show us uh, this, and it doesn't you know it doesn't always pop up in orientation. So um, it, it's I think it's going to be a really great um, piece of content to help young leaders grow. I'm glad we have these two young ladies with us because both of them have served in leadership roles where they've had people res responsible uh, to them. And you know, they've been responsible as the team leader on this. And they're moving into positions, one as a teacher, one as a business owner, uh, of, of being able to have to learn these skills as well. So this is kind of cool that they get to see this. I mean, what you, I mean am I right? I mean, is this something you guys? I, I Just listening to, to what I've heard so far is really good because – you know, we were in those leadership roles as, you know, state FFA officers. And so, you know, we were responsible for a group of people and they were responsible to us. And it was a totally different role than I am in now as um, a leader in a business. Um, it's just, you know, those things, learning how to delegate, learning how to work under pressure and how to care for people. You think about, you know, caring for people. That's a basic, just as a human, you should care for people. Mm -hmm. And then you put it into business and you get so caught up in the pressure. And this has to be done by this time. And this has to be done. It's like a mix of, dang, I need to stop and make sure the people on my team are doing good. And so I think those are really good things that we don't think about that we need to know as young leaders. So I'm excited. Yeah, Kenzie, one of the things we discovered was that um, the best top, we'll, we'll call it top talent, they're, they're looking for engaged leadership wherever they go. They really want to work for a, we'll call it a boss who's going to, who's going to care about them, not just as an employee, but as a person. Right. And right. so what you're saying there is so true. It's so easy when you're in charge, now you're leading something and and you're, you're trying to produce these results. I think sometimes we underestimate how much caring for our people and, and adding value to them, not just extracting value, how much adding value really uh, will cause their engagement level to go up is what the research shows. So it's a, it's a powerful thing to, to be able to put that in place and for a leader to, to have that mindset. Oftentimes, people don't leave organizations. They actually leave leaders who are disengaged. So when we as leaders lean in and we – we love our people. We lead them well. We care about them. It, you know, I mean, we've all had leaders before that were really good. We run through a wall for them, and we've had leaders that weren't so fun to follow as well. And so, yeah, again, I've, we're just trying to make leaders get better. Yeah, I've got to experience, you know, both sides. So the business that I'm currently, you know, working in a part of is our family business. And so my mom and dad are my bosses, and they kind of run the show here. And my mom is, she's exceptional at, you know, caring for her people. And we have employees here that have been here since I was born. I mean, I have baby pictures with these people. And oh, wow. so, I mean, they've just been with us for so long and they're getting ready to retire. And that scares the heck out of me because I'm just coming into this business with my sister. Uh, speaking of that, I need you to come out with a curriculum for leadership when with families and leading a family business um yeah. because that you know that's difficult too but yeah these people are getting ready to retire and so me as a young leader um i'm trying to find employees to hire that are going to fill those shoes and so having her as an example has been nice but it's nice to have that reminder of okay this is how you find those people and then keep them long term yeah 
James, I didn't mention this, but uh, to speak to Kenzie's point there, a couple of the other skills are how to hold people accountable. And if you think about it, Kenzie, as a young leader who, you know, you grow up and you're in the baby pictures with these people that now you're all of a sudden, you got some of those people that you're trying to hold accountable and you're trying to lead. Or, or if you think about a young leader, Sarah Beth, who is just put into a role, all of a sudden you got your friends that you're working with, you get promoted and now you got to hold them accountable. So teaching them how to do that, teaching people how to seek feedback is another one, uh, James, that, that we, I didn't mention, but it's like, how do I, how do I continue to get better? And so I want to seek feedback from the people who are leading me, but I also want to seek feedback from the people that I'm leading. I think a lot of times leaders don't really uh, want to hear what's going on around them and, and, and really to their detriment. I think when we, I mean, they're thinking it whether we ask them or not. So what we need that we need to really have a reality check often. So those are a couple of the other skills that we're trying to teach as well. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. Well, one of the things that I really have enjoyed as, as you and I have gotten to know each other and really how we first got to know each other was through Mark Miller's book, The Heart of the Leadership. And I have found that uh, to be probably one of the most practical leadership books I have ever read. Um, and I know that you created some really good curriculum related to that. And in our conversation we had in the spring, when you talked about it, it just really exploded our audience's minds on, on wow, they never heard of such things on this. So real quickly, to those who are not familiar with the heart of leadership, tell them a little bit about what that entails, what the heart of leadership is, and and then we can kind of, you know, take the conversation and go on from there. Because I really love it. I think, I think the heart is one of the most sticky uh, leadership trainings I've ever seen. And when I say sticky, I mean, when you get it, you get it. It's not, yeah. it's not complex, uh, but it's also not easy. Uh, I, I've said this before on other things. Things may be simple, but that doesn't mean they're easy. And, yeah. and this is a simple leadership concept, but sometimes it's not easy to implement. Yeah, I, I always say simple is powerful as well, James. I think that's so true. And and there's not a lot of uh, rocket science coming out of where we're leading from, but we do feel like it is catalytic and it is foundational. Uh, I, I would say it this way. I, I think the best leaders are servant leaders. I think the best leaders are thinking uh, about their people as much or more than they're thinking about themselves and what they're trying to do. They understand that to, to accomplish a vision, you have to have people with you. And so I'll give you a picture. I think that's very helpful. It's a picture that Mark and I use to talk about leadership. Mark, by the way, is a VP of, of high performance leadership at Chick-fil-A and he's written several books and he and I have worked on a lot of content past that to help bring those books to life from field guides, quick start guides. I'll, I'll actually give you guys access to a quick start guide here to everybody that's listening before we're we're done today, but uh, we, I've done some video series for him. So we, we've tried to bring this content to life. And I'll go all the way back to, uh, I probably was in fifth grade when I first saw this picture. My science teacher draws a picture up on the board of an iceberg. And um, little did I know that would really become maybe the best picture of leadership that, that I'd ever seen. It was, it was not a leadership picture that day. She just says to us, if I recall, that most of the mass is below the waterline. About, I think if, I, if I'm right, it was about 90% of the iceberg is below the surface and 10% above. And I think um, 
you know, growing up in a small town in North Georgia, we didn't have a lot of icebergs, so we just got to take our word for it. But <laughs> I, I did go to Alaska a couple of years ago, and I saw some real icebergs, and she was telling us the truth. There, there's a lot more going on underneath than there is above. And so as I think about leadership, there's two sides of it. There is what I would call the underneath side. That's the character side of leadership. And then above the waterline would be what we would call the skill side of leadership. And if you guys think about it, there's there there are – um, a lot of times we think about leaders based on their skills. Can they lead a meeting? Can they make a speech in public? Can they, you know, rally and build a team? I mean, there, there's a lot of skills that are, that are vital. But if we think back through presidents and um, or, or politicians, we think through great athletes, we think through uh, preachers. There have been a lot of people that we, we looked at and admired as a leader and they blew up their leadership, not because they forgot how to lead a meeting or make a speech or build a team. It's because they forgot how to keep their character in check and do some of the things that really they were supposed to do. And so we, we say that um, it, it starts with the heart. That's the part, that's the character side of leadership. Now, before I go into that, let me remind everybody, you still have to have the skills. I mean, we know all of us know people that, we would trust them maybe with our lives. They're great people that have great character, but they couldn't lead us out of this room. And so you have to have both. It, it's not just character, but it character really is the foundation. We say it this way. If your heart's not right, nobody cares about your skills. And so it starts with the heart. James, you mentioned the heart of leadership that Mark wrote. And this book is based on an acronym uh, for the word heart. And so I'll, I'll give it to you real quick in the book, Mark, uh, shares the T first because when he was asked by his publisher which one is the most important he said it, this one is kind of the first among equals we feel like they're all important but the T actually I, I'll land with that one but I'll tell you to go back to my servant leadership comment from a moment ago the T is to think others first so let's we'll, we'll save that till the end but let me take you through this little acronym for heart the H is for hunger for wisdom we think the best leaders are are always hungering for wisdom. They they know that the wise choice is the best choice. And so they're teachable if you think about it that way. And especially for a young leader, if if I could say anything, it, it would be get on a path of growth, value lifelong learning, and and hunger for wisdom. And and so, you know, books, resources, there's all kinds of things that you can do. Get around a mentor, get around a coach, get around somebody that can help invest in you and just soak in all you can. Because I think what what's happening now you know, I've got a friend of mine who says what's now is always about what's later. And so you can't control, you know, what's going on in your organization. You can't control a world of disruption right now. But who's to say that it's not going to be even more disrupted five years from now? What you're doing now to prepare yourself in secret is going to be available in public later. And so I, I really think there's, there's power in being teachable, this hunger for wisdom thing. Uh, the E is expect the best. Uh, we talked about that a few weeks ago on our, on our video with your, your group. But Expect the best is about your attitude, and it is about your uh, your sense of expectancy. Really, that, that word "expect" is really it. Do you really, as the leader, expect that you're going to succeed? Expect that you're going to be able to accomplish the vision. If you don't believe it, as the leader, your people will never believe it. And so, I think it's very important for us to to have a great attitude. Uh, I always tell people the you know I, my wife and I had these four daughters and when they were really small, we loved to read these bedtime stories. And I'm guessing some of y'all are, are Winnie the Pooh fans. Winnie the Pooh really, you know, uh, I love Winnie the Pooh. Exactly. So, so much fun. Uh, says all this cool stuff. 
all these cool characters, Piglet and Tigger and all these. But you, you'll remember the, the character Eeyore, which was really cute and, and Winnie the Pooh, you know, the little donkey. But he's so negative, gloom and doom, the sky's falling. Fun to read in the, in the bedtime stories. But, man, if you go to work or if you go to your team and you have an Eeyore on your team, it just sucks the life out of everybody. And so as a leader, you want to race to the front of the line when it comes to positivity. You want to be the most positive person on the team. If you're the leader, they're gonna, you're going to set the pace for everybody else. Uh, so that's hunger for wisdom, expect the best. The A is to accept responsibility. And I'll just simply say this, the, the, the really great leaders I know, they accept responsibility for their own actions, but also the actions of those they lead. They know that the results of the organization, the results of the team, if you're the leader, it really rises and falls um, on, on your ability to accept responsibility. And if things aren't where they should be, what changes need to be made? And as a leader, that's your responsibility to, to get that right. Uh, the R is respond with courage. And I think the, um, the, the really great leaders, again, are courageous leaders. They're not comfortable leaders. I think sometimes our default is to get on this road of being comfortable. And yet, really great leaders are never comfortable being comfortable. They, they are comfortable, actually, when they're being courageous, when they're stretching the limits, when they're reaching for more, when they're pushing their team when they're achieving great results. And so um, I'm actually a Bible reader. I love to read the Bible. And I, I remember a few years ago, I had a really big decision to make in my career. Am I going to go and try to start this company to help leaders? And I was pretty comfortable in my current role. And, and, I, and I knew it was going to really, you know, I was about to quit my job. We had these four daughters, a couple of them were in college, a couple were in uh, late high school, wanting to go to college. Uh, my wife and I were, you know, we love living indoors. And so am I literally going to quit my job? This is crazy at the time. But I, I felt like courage is going to be required. And so as I'm reading the Bible, I'm looking for the verse that says, be comfortable. And whether you read the Bible or not, I can save you some time. You're not going to find that verse in the Bible. What you are going to find is over and over and over again, it says, be courageous, be courageous. Be, it, we're, we, it's almost like we have to be reminded over and over to stretch that courage muscle. But it really is like a muscle. The more we, we do work it, the more courageous we become. And so it, it's, it's, it's honestly like a workout. If you, if you don't work that courage muscle out, you really will just uh, be complacent and, 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 and really it'll lead to mediocrity. So I, I think for all of us, if we will be courageous and we'll reach for that next thing and we'll try stuff and, and not be afraid to fail, really, have people around us that will, will go the distance with us, even when we fail, remind us that, things are going to be okay. That's, that is a great, we call these heart habits. So hunger for wisdom, expect the best, accept responsibility, respond with courage. And then, as I said at the beginning, really the first among equals is to thank others first. And I, I think this is that idea that uh, the best leaders really do think uh, like servant leaders. They're, they're not just servants, not just good character. They're servant leaders. It's both and. But they wake up and they think, how can I add value to the people around me? And um, I think you can't really add value to others unless you value others. And so it, I just, it's a, just a good reminder for me that I need to wake up every day thinking, how can I help somebody else uh, be better? And I, and I think it was Zig who actually said, James, that if you help enough people get what they want, you'll always have what you want. And so it, it's that servant leader mindset. We don't, again, the motive is not to get what you want. Zig never said that. But it was just, how do you keep showing up and, and adding value to others? And when you do, 
it really does come back to you. So I just, you know, again, hunger for wisdom, expect the best, accept responsibility, respond with courage, think others first. They're just great heart habits for a young leader, an old leader. You know, those things were needed in me 30 years ago and 30 years from now, if I'm still around, I'm still going to have to keep working on these because, you know, I can get complacent if I'm not careful. I can chase comfort if I, my negative, my attitude can get negative at times. And, and sometimes I can, you know, I love me some me. I can think about myself and not other people. So for all of us, I think these are these heart habits. Again, you just have to practice uh, your way to high performance. So, you know, yeah, that hopefully, again, if your heart's not right, nobody cares about your skills. But that little H-E-A-R-T has been a really great way for me to think about how to, how to lead other people. And I think it'll serve everyone well. Right. I think, yeah, go ahead, sir. Okay. Um, I was just going to say, when I first heard of the heart of leadership, I was actually, we, me and my dad, we were driving to the mountains and we were looking through the integrate leadership app and we came across it. We started listening to it and I was playing around on Snapchat or something on my phone, nothing important. I took out my notes section. I started just writing it down, writing it down. And now I'm at the point where my retiring address for serving as state president was based on respond with courage. And then now mm -hmm. I'm making plans for my students where the first lesson um, for my class next semester is based on the heart of leadership, just because I, it's so important. Like, That's, I just think it's so cool to even hear you talk about it and how you were able to form curriculum around it. Yeah, that's cool. And, and Sarah Beth, speaking of that curriculum, if you will, and James, we can put this link on the screen, but if you will text uh, the number 33777, if you'll just text, I think it is H-O-L, uh, the, the letters H-O-L to 33777, it'll give everyone listening, and it has and it, unlimited, every single person will get a free copy of the heart of leadership quick start guide that mark and i wrote together to help activate that book because again it's full of all kind of ideas and things that you're familiar with sarah from the app but but those things will be helpful hopefully to the listeners as well james and and i also say you know sarah you kind of gave us a plug there on the integrate leadership app but that if you go to the to the app store on on any of your devices and you can download the integrate leadership app and the heart of the leadership that that lead self piece is there first so it's available for free. So if anybody that'd be helpful to you, I would encourage them to, to uh, check that out. Well, I know. I, oh, go ahead, I, Sarah. You can go this time. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to point to you again. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> this is what I don't like about meetings online is you can't tell who's talking. But what I was going to say is yeah. I've been going through the heart of leadership and um, other things that I can find on the Integrate app. Um, forming curriculum and when I was uh, serving as state president going through and finding stuff for workshops is I've learned a lot about myself and so I'm curious as you're developing all this curriculum what have you learned about yourself um, throughout all of it what have you learned about maybe what you do well what you don't do well like just advice that you found that applies to your life yeah I, I would say a few things here uh, let me start with uh, the way we really think about leadership. We do think about this, the character side and the skill side, the iceberg gives us a picture. But as I started thinking about how do I grow myself? Because at this point in my life, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, all of us, I think every leader really, but I, I really have got to own my own self leadership side. Like how am I going to grow myself? And so uh, and the way we work with our companies and people that we talk to, we, and you saw that in the app is we think process. Like we think that it's, it's, 
you have to start by being able to lead yourself. I think the hardest person I'll ever lead is me. And, and I think if we can all start and go, you know what, I've got to lead me first, then all of a sudden we're now positioned to become a leader uh, that others would want to follow. And so it's just, it starts with lead self, but then there's, there's the lead others piece. And like when we have five fundamental skills to lead other people. And then once you start leading others, couple, you know, you had a couple of people, all of a sudden you do well with that. You get promoted and now you've got a team of people. And so there's some curriculum around leading teams and ultimately, you know, there are people who are in, in charge of leading an organization. Some of you guys are talking about, you know, you're leading an organization. And so, and there's some moves around that. And so I, I like to think process as an old school teacher. Uh, I remember the lesson plans. There was what was called a scope and sequence. If you, if you, you know, girls can remember going back all the way to first grade, they didn't, they didn't come in on day one in your math class and hand you a trigonometry book. That didn't happen in first grade. They, they gave you some numbers, Kenzie, Sarah Beth. They, they said, we're going to count them, you know, and, and you started with that. And then you, you got where you can add them up a little bit. You can subtract them. And then you probably multiplying our times tables, maybe third grade. I don't remember, but it was like, that felt like a lot. And then you're dividing them and you get to a little geometry or fractions, whatever geometry. And, you know, at some point you guys may have made it to trig. I never made it to trig, but people actually do. And they're able to do that, but they don't start there. And I think sometimes we put leaders into a place and we expect them to know everything up front and we really don't train them and have a process. And so, one of the things that I've really tried to do in my own life is, is be intentional about trying to, to grow every day. So this would go back to your question really is, is, is I've just said, I am going to be a learner. I'm going to make a choice to be a learner and, and I'm going to build on what I learn. And, and, you know, over 30 years, um, it, I'm, I'm not where I was. Let's just say I've made a lot of progress. I'm not where I want to be, but I've made a lot of progress and I'm committed to continuing to learn, and I like to say leaders that last aren't built fast. It's you know, it's it's almost like the, uh, um, it, it's like a game of mother may I when you're a little kid. You know, it's these baby steps that sometimes can be uh, as powerful as anything. And yet we live in a world that wants to take these giant steps and be there. And you know, I have people ask me sometimes. It, it seems like you've gotten more successful real quick, and and I, I would say. It, it took 30 plus years. It's, it's actually taken 50 plus years to become any, any, any kind of success at all. It, it's just a lot of grind and a lot of labor. I understand people, you know, go viral and all that kind of stuff. But I think the, the leaders that really have impact work on their heart, they work on their skills, they work on their relationships and, and they seek to add value and, and they don't really care about notoriety or any of those things. So I, I think it really does go back to some of those things. One other thing I would say to, to your question, like one of the ways that I feel like I, I try to grow is I think, and I would say this to every leader, I think if you, uh, there's a couple of ways you can think about it, but I would say to win the first hour of the day, that, that to me is a, is an important um, part of, of what I would feel like would be my success. If I can take an hour in the morning to calibrate my heart, to, to think through my day, to know what I'm trying to do, maybe to get a little exercise, all those things that, that we say we don't have time for, it's, it's that we really don't make time for. And I think when we, when we make time for those things, they really make us um, more impactful. And so I, th I think having that, that first hour of the day mindset, you know, where you're going to read something, you're going you're gonna to learn something, you're going to get your heart right, maybe go on a walk, you, whatever it is, you, you, your routine really doesn't matter as much as the fact that you have these habits ingrained. 
And I think about the best athletes in the world. They are the best, uh, not because they were born that way, but because they practiced. And so, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they have tremendous physical skills and, you know, they're, they're unbelievable in some ways, but they really still have to put in the work. There are a lot of people with great skills. It's just when they put in that work, that hard work and that, that hard work in an athlete's case, uh, they separate themselves. And so I think that's one of the things we as leaders can do. And I think that's been helpful to me to really have a commitment to growing and, and you know, a passion to learn. So I know that you work, um, I know that you, you know, you speak about leadership and effective teams and families. Um, of those, you know, topics, which one do you enjoy, you know, speaking on the most and what type of, you know, groups do you really, you know, connect with and enjoy teaching to? Yeah, that's a great question. I love, uh, anytime I feel like I'm adding value to a group, I love that. So it really doesn't matter what the group is, but I do, I do, I would say this, I do enjoy, uh, when I, when I can help a business, um, uh, define what it means to build a leadership culture, because I know if they can build that culture, it, all of a sudden it, it changes the level of engagement. It helps them be more aligned. Their results get better. That's all great. I love that. Uh, also, we get to work with a lot of sports teams. That's really fun for me to get to work with athletes and coaches. And, and, and because I think that the success is so tangible, it's, it's fun to, you know, and the scoreboard's there, you know, if they're winning or not. But, but it's, it's, the th- it's the things that you really can't see that, that bring me a lot of joy. When you know there's alignment and a culture begins to change, it, it, it actually will um, – it'll, it'll change the way a team views itself, the way it's viewed. If you think about it, there's, there's a reason some teams seem to always win and some don't. It's not necessarily this talent um, discrepancy as much as it is a culture, you know, a discrepancy. And so – that's fun for me. And then I love, I love getting to hang out with young people. I mean, I really do. Um, I think it keeps me young. I mean, I'm an old guy, but I, I love, I love being around young people. I love getting to work with them and, and hang out with them because I see such possibility in them. And, and that really, I guess would go to my, really my main answer is, is I'm passionate about helping people become their very best. If I can help somebody maximize their, I, I believe there's greatness in every single person. And if I can help them maximize that, and, and chase that. And sometimes I even believe people have better stuff in them than they believe they have. And so if I can help them flip that mindset and believe transformation is available to them, that fires me up. And it's, that's a lot of fun. It gets me out of bed for sure. Perfect. Randy, I'm really curious. Sorry. Well, I'm going again. I have another question, but you're just talking, your main inspiration is like helping others find their passion and like really embark on that. So I'm curious. I know that for me, when I've been in leadership roles, it's hard to know the impact that you have until it's like years and years later or even months later after you do something. So I'm curious, what inspired you to get started with all of this knowing ahead of time, like I might not see the impact that I have and what's keeping you going um, when you can't see the impact that you're having? Yeah, I, I, I would say a couple, that's a great question, Sarah, but I would say a couple things. So a few years ago, we wrote a book called Finding Your Way. And the book is, was actually designed to help young people, um, I say young people, college kids, high school kids, even college kids, people in their 20s. Uh, it, it was designed to help them discover what it is they're born to do. And, and I think there's tremendous power when you can um, find something that you're good at, something that you love, and something that that adds value to others. I think I think you you know I think you really 
you find a lot more joy in your work, a lot more energy in your work, easier to stay engaged, still, still hard, but, but I think there's, there's power in that. And so I think when, when I, when I, um, when I push on that and I begin to think about that, uh, what keeps me going is, is, is knowing that, that I got to choose to do something with my time. And so if I feel like I'm helping leaders to me, leaders have so much, opportunity to change the world around them. So if I can help encourage them, because leadership is hard. It's hard to stay in the fight. It's hard to keep going. It's challenging. You you, you, you know, it's just so hard at many levels. And so they need someone to help uh, breathe life into them. And and then really to the essence of your question, how do you, how do you keep going, not knowing if you're ever going to even see the fruit of that? And a lot of times you don't, a lot of times you invest in people and they end up breaking your heart or they leave you or they, you know, bail on you and, and, and yet you got to remind yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, if I can add value, even if they don't value it, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, that, that, there's, there's value in that. And, and, and then I would, I, would, I would end the answer with this. My father-in-law actually, uh, he passed away about four years ago, but he was a farmer. And uh, he had a farm for, you know, uh, I don't know, probably – 60 years is in his family and uh, longer than that, actually, but he, he owned this farm for about 60 years. And, and uh, he was a, he, he farmed cattle and he raised catfish at one point, but he was primarily his heart was, he was a forester. And so he was a pine tree farmer and it had a big piece of land, you know, a lot of land, a couple thousand acres. And, and so he was planting these pine trees all the time. Well, this last year, uh, we actually harvested some pine trees. I mean, he, he, he died three years before. We harvested some pine trees that he planted 30 years ago. Now think about that. He never saw the benefit of that. He never understood. I mean, he, he understood. That's why he planted. But it, it's, there's something, Sarah, about this. Um, you know, there's no Bible verse that says you reap what you sow. It doesn't say this, but the, the reality is you always reap later than you sow. And so, and sometimes you don't even see what you reap. I mean, to your point, it, it's, I think, uh, even during the pandemic, I've been, you know, I, I do a lot of live events. And so this year we've not been able to do those. And so I've spent extra time trying to work on myself while I'm in private, knowing that if, if we ever get back in public, whatever I sow now will be available later to help others. And so I, I, I think there's this mindset that you say, I got to trust, well, hey, let me start with what I'm supposed to be doing. And then when I do that, I got to trust that it's going to be valuable to someone. And sometimes you never know. I mean, sometimes you think that didn't help at all. And then you know, I had somebody a few months back, he reached out and he said, I read something that you wrote 10 years ago and it actually helped me today, which kind of makes my brain go, whoa, how, how does that even happen? So I think sometimes you just have to choose what it is you want to do. You got to be faithful to do that. And then trust, you know, that long after we're gone, there'll still be benefit of that if, if we're helping the right people uh, with the right heart. So I don't know if that answers or not, but, I, you know, that's, that's kind of the way I think about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. It does. And someone told me one time that you have to be faithful to plant the seeds and you might not enjoy the fruit that comes from it, but someone else will. Um, yeah. And so that goes back to your think others first. Like you might not enjoy what comes out of it, but someone else will. Um, that was my state advisor actually said that to me and I love that. So yeah. I think you hit it right, right on the head. And, and I think I will say this, Sarah, I think to your point, if, I think if your motive is others first, 
then it really doesn't matter whether you see the fruit or not. You really keep thinking about them. And then here's the crazy thing. It doesn't say you reap later than you sow, but it also doesn't say this. I think you reap more than you sow. I think sometimes you, you sow and, and you're sowing in this group and then all of a sudden you're reaping from over here. It's, it's I don't know how it works, but I, I just know when we are, when we live with an abundant mindset, we're generous in the way we view people. We, we try to add value. It just comes back to us. I mean, back to Zig's old quote. So it's, yeah. And, and, I, and, and I will say this, I think the other side of that coin is what's the alternative to just make it all about yourself and, Man, some of the most miserable people I know, they just think about themselves all the time. So you get to choose, but I, to me, it just feels like it makes more sense to try to add value rather than, you know, to um, extract value. I think the more value you add, actually, the more valuable you become to leaders and, and the people you're trying to serve. Yeah, absolutely. I think of it this way. You plant, hypothetically, you plant one tomato seed, you get countless tomatoes for a whole season, enough for you and enough for everyone else. So Yeah, I'll that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. She planted tomato seeds at our house before the uh, pandemic started, and the the squirrels have enjoyed them as much as we have. There have been an overabundance of tomatoes in yeah. this house. So, yeah. so as she said that, I was thinking, she knows that firsthand because we've got tomato seeds everywhere. And then she left and went out to yeah. college and left us with all the tomatoes. So. <laughs> well, part of uh, – Part of to, to what you just said about planting and maybe not even singing it, this show is what our goal is to be able to plant some seeds and some young leaders into, into youth as they go forward. So how can how can our audience reach out to you, connect with you, and, and get more information about some of these things that they've learned this morning about leadership? Because I, I know these two young ladies well enough to know that they wish they had known this material when they were 14 and 15 years old as they were just starting opportunities and organizations that were giving them leadership roles. They were taught really good principles, but these are, are just kind of, to me, these kind of open the light. So how can folks find out about you? How can our audience find out more about you? Yeah, the simplest way is probably just go to randygravit.com. Um, we are, we're there. Uh, they can, you know, reach out there through the site. But I'm, I'm on Twitter at Randy Gravit. I'm on Instagram at Randy Gravit. Just basically, uh, I'm there. We, have, we do have a podcast that uh, we have that uh, we do three times a week right now. We've got a, a Monday is, is one of the guys on my team. We just do some stuff for leaders and organizations but Wednesday I'll mention this and I think this might be a um, something for your audience is that we do a self-leadership I mean our, our whole thing's kind of around this idea of leading yourself first but I, I think there's so little in the self-leadership space and so we I do a, I do a show on Wednesdays to help uh, leaders really lead themselves I mean I think it's so challenging and then we usually have a guest on Friday so uh, yeah we I would encourage people to reach out there uh, Sarah Beth mentioned earlier the Integrate app. It's available uh, at the App Store. And then uh, again, I would uh, just encourage people to download the free uh, Quick Start Guide at three three seven 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 H O L. They can get that. So I'm out there. Um, just you know, people can reach out. I'll give you my cell number if anybody needs a call. Feel free. It's six seven eight. 858-1167. The voicemail stays kind of full, but feel free to text. And if you call, and I'm available i'll answer so i would love to hear from anyone out there it's great and yeah we're 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 out here so give us a yell 
And all that information, uh, guys, is going to be in the show notes. So if you didn't get it as he said it, if you'll just look down and, and click more, you'll see it in the show notes. So, Randy, thank you. Thank you again for agreeing to come uh, and being a friend of Generation Ziegler uh, and, and, and providing us with value. You talk about adding value. Every time you come in and speak and every time I have the opportunity to interact with you, you give value to me. And, and I, I really do appreciate that. And I appreciate your commitment to these, uh, to this group, to Generation Ziegler, and, and I know to these young ladies as well. That's great. Well, thank you all. I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity, and I wish you all well. Thank you. And, we appreciate it. And to our audience, thank you for joining us, and be back again next week for another episode. Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.